and welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where for this go-around I'm very privileged to be talking to Hurricane Jonathan Tomatain, where we discuss the halfback's rise through the ranks and through the county system, his transition into the big leagues with the Chiefs, and where he finds himself now with the Hurricanes in the nation's capital. So for all of that and much more, please do keep listening, but before we get into it, just a bit of a shameless plug. If you are new to the channel and you do like what you hear over the next hour, please do go and look back over some of my older episodes and help run those numbers up. But without further ado, I'll let you hear from the man himself, JT. Chur. Well, tēnā koe, Jonathan, and thank you very much for accepting my invitation onto Code with Kingy, bro. This has been in the works for a while. Obviously, you've been pretty busy with footy and whatnot, but the day's finally come, my man. So, yeah, big ups to you. I've seen no, Thanks for having me, bro. First and foremost, obviously, you guys have just had the game against the Crusaders, which, you know, was a nail-biter and went to OT, but you were a late scratch from that game. So do you want to run us through what happened at Captain's Runner on Friday before, yeah, ultimately you were ruled out? Oh, bro, it was actually, um, yeah, it was our training on Friday, bro, and um, there was, like a, there, was a, there was like a drain near the side of the rugby field. Bro, and I just happened to try to throw a flick pass, and I went out, didn't even see it, bro. And I stood on it and it just rolled my ankle. Mm. Yeah, bro. And then, as soon as I did, I was like, oh, hopefully nothing's broken, bro. And then, went and had the scan the same day, bro. And then, got the results back. It was all good. Just a real bad sprain. So, I just been sitting in the moon boot. So, yeah. what's the time frame for that? Just a couple of weeks? Yeah, let's say maybe three to four weeks. Mm. Yeah. Um, niggly, bro. Well, hopefully that, um, that hair was a bit quicker than that. And then, yeah, we see you back in action um sooner rather than later yeah, um exactly. but yeah what why don't i roll in right from the get-go bro so do you want to tell us like where you grew up and then how you even started playing rugby um so i was pretty much born up in auckland at middlemore stayed in manurewa my whole life and i think my upbringing was pretty much in between new zealand and samoa so i was born here but pretty much raised in samoa and then came back here 2005 and then, yeah, pretty much started playing rugby at the age of 13. So, yeah, I started playing soccer first, and then I got into footy around the age of 13. And then just went to James Cook High School my first three years, and ended up at Wesley for my last two. And then, yeah, just went rugby, just went professional from there. Interesting, bro. Now, a lot of the boys, especially the island boys, have talked about, the, um, you know, starting with soccer as a sport. You know, even, you know, back yeah. home in the motherland, like, why is that? Like, I would have thought that rugby would be like the dominant sport over there, or was it like a family thing for you playing football? Was it just what your mates were up to? I think it was just kind of like that, eh? Like, obviously you play, like, we played rugby in school and stuff like that, but most of my friends that I was hanging with were just all playing soccer, so it was just, I was just kind of like following them. So if they were playing soccer, I'll just stop in just there, find my friends and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it was pretty much that. And then, yeah, Dad just kind of like started teaching us rugby, you know, when we got to a certain age, and then, yeah, just went from there. So Dad's the rugby man in the family? Oh, he thinks he is, bro. <laughs> 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 bit of village rugby, that's all. That's all I know. 
Oh, bro, I think that's like everyone's dad, eh? Like, they tell us the stories of how they could have been an all-black if they had the right coach or whatever, bro. 100%, bro. <laughs> all right, so, so you talk about, like, growing up back and forth between the islands. Like, what made your parents ultimately settle um, in New Zealand like in 2005, like you said? Like, was it, like, your you and your siblings were getting to a certain age where they just wanted, you know, a bit of stability, or...? I think that, that was pretty much it. They just wanted to, just like every other um, island parents, they just wanted the best for their kids. And I think being in New Zealand, that was pretty much kind of a pathway for us, having a bit of life here, I guess. So that, yeah, that was kind of it. Okay, so then you roll on from there, so you start playing rugby when you get back to New Zealand and you start at James Cook High School. But then you mentioned you, you finish yourself, uh, you finish off your footy career at Wesley. So was that more so to give you a better opportunity rugby-wise? Like, were you, like, a bit of a gun, like, at high school? What is it, played, like, first or then in year nine, and then sort of like, okay, I need to sort of move on from this if I want to aspire to bigger and better things? Or, like, how, how did that whole reshuffle work out for you? It was, uh, I mean, at James Cook, we had a good team. I think it was, like, under 15, we, like, first got to play Wesley College, and then I, I didn't even know what the school was, Wesley College, but one of my best friends was there. So kind of like we were playing Wesley College on our first preseason game for under 15, and half our team didn't turn up. So I was like, "What's going on here?" And then we actually played them, and then I, I seen the size of the players there, and I was like, "Holy crap!" So then it was just, yeah, it was cool. It was just all about having a bit of fun, and then just got to the point where it came through the ranks of counties under 15, county 16, stuff like that. And then just pretty much just got talked into it and there's good coaches around me that just told me, oh, you might as well go to Wesley, bro. And then, mm. yeah. Did you ever get any other sort of interest from some of the, the Auckland schools, like the 1A schools? Was there ever a possibility to, for you to move on to one of them or did you want to stay closer to home in South Auckland? Yeah, it's pretty much, yeah. Well, I, I did get approached, but then for me, it was like always around home. So when that, that came up, I was like, oh, you'll... I knew most of the boys there, so why not? Yeah. Fair enough. And so what was your time like in the first of then your, your last two years of school? Were you guys very successful? Did you? Like, how did you guys compete? We were always like there, but not quite there. So we were always leading to like Rotorua, uh, Tauranga, and then Hamilton boys. So it was always hard to try and get through to that top four, especially with Rotors and Hamilton boys like Dero. So. They're a real stacked team too. Mm. But now, yeah, like you mentioned, those two schools, I mean, like Hamilton Boys speaks for themselves in terms of the success yeah. that they've had both, I guess, locally and, and on a national scale. And even like of recent times, you know, Rotorua Boys, they won top four not too long ago and they've always put together, you know, pretty formidable teams, bro. But I mean, like for, for Wesley itself, you know, even though you were a latecomer to the school, the, the list of All Blacks for the school goes on and on and on. And you've got the likes of like Jonah Lomi probably being the most famous. But, the, but even more recently, you've got like guys like Carl Tuanukawafe, Malakai Fikitoa, Charles Piatau. So even though, like I just said, you were someone who came in in year 12 and year 13, like did that, did that sort of reputation and, you know, those seeing those boys, I guess, on your honours board do anything for you, like, career-wise? Because you're obviously, like, quite a good rugby player early on. You wouldn't have gone to the school had you not been. But did that aura around the school, like, have any influence on your career to begin with? Yep, 100%. I think for me, it was the first person I noticed was Augie Pulu. 
So he was kind of like someone that the other life coming through. But then obviously Nipple and Carl and people like that started to play with them and play against them. Like, actually just inspire you to do more, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Augie was like a real idol for me. Especially yeah. as a halfback, looking at another halfback. Yeah. yeah, exactly, bro. Again, like, that's just the name I miss from, from all the guys that have yeah. come through the school, bro. But, again, like I mentioned, you wouldn't have gone to the school had you not had um a, a talent for rugby, bro. So, did you make any rep teams towards the back end of your high school career? Like, did you play Chiefs 18s or did you get a schools trial? Yeah, yeah. I, I played Chiefs 18s. I was there, Chiefs 20s. Yeah, so, yeah, but I, I didn't play, like, schools or anything like that. I was just uh, through the counties, counties 19 tournament in Taupo. And that was kind of where I, I got noticed a little bit more. And then, yeah, just went from there. Interesting. So the, the 19s competition would have been your first and second years out of school. So what was the plan, like, ultimately when you left school? So obviously you, you play a bit of, like, reasonable rugby in that Chiefs catchment, make the team or whatever and have a bit of a name for yourself. But, like, when you left school, did you sort of solely focus on rugby or did you go to uni? Did you pick up a trade? Like, how did you balance that lifestyle? Straight off school, bro, I was pretty much working at, I was working at, um, pick and pack for out in Penrose, up in Auckland. So I was pretty much doing that and just balancing my training and stuff like that after footy. I mean, after work and then I'll just go to my footy training and stuff like that. And then when the 19th tournament when that went ahead, uh, I had to take a week off for that. And then rugby just kind of took off from there with the 20s and stuff like that. But right up to that, I was working, bro. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've got it listed here that you played, what, Samoan under 20s in your first year out of high school? Is that correct? Yeah. So was that the typical, like, you trialled for the team and then did you spend a bit of time in the islands before then playing in the tournament or did you stay New Zealand-based? throughout that whole process and, and I mean like and what was that campaign like I mean like playing for I guess a national team on a on a global scale but it was pretty it was pretty cool it was actually the first time a Samoan 20s team didn't go to Samoa which was pretty guttering eh? like we normally go there after the season or before the season to play a game but our year was the only year we did not go so yeah but the tournament was pretty good bro in itself we played a couple of games we I think we played Aussie and yeah, we didn't we didn't really need to go into more detail about how the tournament went, but that was, that was pretty cool. <laughs> a learning experience by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Best <laughs> way to put it. <laughs> All right. So when you get there, I mean, like, it would have been, although the results maybe weren't what you expected or what you would have liked. You obviously again took a lot of learnings out of it and would have grown from that experience. You know, being able to rub shoulders with some of the best players in the world for your age and then especially for you who obviously got to go back again the following year, it just would have put you in a better step, bro. So that transition, so obviously you finish up with the Samoan 20s, like you said, you play for the counties under 19s, get spotted there, and then like, what was the role on going into the next year before you made the New Zealand 20s? Um, I think for me, I, was just, I just wanted to keep growing my rugby. So I guess it was just after every, every team that I was involved in, I was just taking every little learning from it. And just keep growing my game. Eh? So obviously, before I went to the NZ camp and the NZ team, I was at the county team at the time, so I was just learning off some of the players there. And then that, that was pretty much 
my first sister around there was just keep learning it uh, whether it was training whether it was a game I, I just needed to learn a little bit and just keep picking people's brains there how did you find going into i guess like a, a professional semi-professional environment like straight out of school bro did you find it quite intimidating or yeah it actually, actually took a while for me to try to get into that that learning environment because like obviously coming out of school out of wesley college i was like pretty much enjoying putting up your, your friends and stuff like that in terms of your mates were just like playing touch footy on the field for training and stuff like that and then yeah just going into that environment was like oh everything's like system based so that bit of learning kind of hit me real quick bro and yeah slowly had to get into it yeah it must be like yeah again there's there's probably some of the things that a lot of the guys that i've talked to touch on the fact that you go from yeah. again i guess just playing for the enjoyment or playing for your school and playing with your mates to then it being a lot more serious because i mean like you only have to look at the numbers in terms of the drop off you know, rugby players when they leave school, because, you know, like you said, you know, you start working or you start studying and it can be quite hard to balance that stuff, especially if you want to be serious and knock off the guys that are in, you know, the professional position where, you know, they're training every day and you're like, well, how the heck am I going to get there if I'm having to balance all that other stuff? So, yeah, it can be quite, yeah. a, quite a thing to, I guess, yeah, like I said, balance you know, if you have those sorts of aspirations, bro. So, I mean, like, was it was it something that you struggled with, bro? Like, I mean, like, obviously working, you know, with your body all day and then rolling over to rugby, like, did that take some getting used to? I think in terms of the body, like, it wasn't too bad because I always, like, no matter how tired I was from work, as soon as I got to go training and stuff like that, I was, like, straight away the energy level was up. So, yeah, in terms of getting used to it, I think it was just, like I said, more system-based. That was where to, like, kind of channel energy into that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. In terms of just turning up to footy and just like, yo, let's throw the ball around, run some plays, some Vesley plays, you know what I mean? Yeah. But in terms of, yeah, trying to get used to it, I think it was just around that. Especially being a game driver as well. Even yeah, myself, being, being, being a club battler, man, like, we have our maps that we get given, albeit, you know, <laughs> ours are only like three or four pages compared to like the, the dictionaries that you boys get these days. Um, And even then, you know, like, I get told, you know, I'm the eyes and ears for the forwards being a halfback myself. Yeah, and it can be, you know, it can be quite a struggle, bro, because I'm just trying to focus on my past half the time, let alone like actually telling yeah, boys yeah. where to be and all that. Um, and then, oh, I guess, boy. like, for guys like yourself, it's only amplified because, you know, there's expectation that that comes with, well, you know, boys get to train every day. But you know, <laughs> we won't get into that, bro, because otherwise we'll just get lost That's in the it. source. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. You, you mentioned the fact that you rolled into the, the NZ20s. Um, and this time you yep. go away to England. Yeah. And again, probably the yeah the results probably didn't go your way with that campaign either, bro. But just yeah. for someone like yourself who's played with a Psalm 120 side where, you know, with, with all due respect, the drop-off of probably resources and talent, yep. and it's probably like yep. 10 steps behind, you know, some of the Tier 1 nations like your New Zealand, your England, your South Africa's, and your Australia's. So... Then, you know, step more, making the progression up to New Zealand team or into that sort of environment, like, can you sort of just, like, give us a, a quick sort of summary of just, like, the differences and, like, I guess how much you maybe more, more so appreciated, you know, being a part of that team that went away and, you know, the, the trainings and all the stuff that you would have learned that maybe wasn't, I guess, afforded to you when you were with the Samoan team the previous year? I mean, our Samoan Samo 22 was, like, I guess the culture was probably one of the best things there. But in terms of like stepping up, I think the differences between the team was 
everyone on board was like already new to system coming into the teams, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. all over their roles in terms of how we wanted to play the game, stuff like that. So it's pretty much we were given this, so now we gotta find the best way to implement that on the field. So I guess that was like the the two differences between the two teams was just experience. Interesting, bro. I mean, like, that, that's obviously a given because, like, I guess the yeah. the prep for you boys, I mean, like, I know the New Zealand teams, you know, they do their, all their scouting at that under-19s tournament yeah. and they have, like, the pre-Christmas camps and then they have, like, the post-Christmas camps and even with the stuff you would have been doing all with that, counties, yeah. they would have been, you know, keeping the tabs on it and making sure Target you guys are... Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. So, even though, you know, we, we, it probably hasn't resulted in some of the world titles that we would have liked as a nation the last couple of years, you know, given the success that the, the English sides and the South Africans um, mm. have had in recent time. But, yeah, it's a, obviously a, a very intense, close to year-long block, bro, you know, for all you boys that go through all those trials and then go away for the tournament. So, yeah, again, like, I guess just another um, learning opportunity for you and another massive jump. But you kick on that year um, and end up making your debut for counties against North Harbour. So... Going from already being immersed in that environment, your first year out of school, and like, what was what sort of step up did you take mentally? I guess off the back of the twenties, then rolling into that counties team, and I guess wanting to, you know, give yourself an opportunity to even like kick on to Super Rugby the following year. But I think one of the most because it was like you go from an environment where like you're in the same age group as like everyone else, and you you can say as much as you want, talk as much as you want, because everyone's pretty much friends like for 20s and stuff like that coming out of that going into counties you're pretty much surrounded by men's bro. so like it's pretty taunting trying to speak up especially on your first year and trying to you know not shot call but try to like as your role you're trying to boss the ports around you know what I mean mm, 100 bro I still struggle with that now bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro especially when you're looking at people that you always used to like watch on TV and stuff like that and now uh, you have to try to tell them what to do. It's like, oh, oh shit, oh shit. Why did we get me to shut up? But like physicality, bro, that was a big difference. Yeah, bro, 100%. Did you, I mean, you're not one of the smallest halfbacks I've ever seen, bro. So like, did that, I mean, like, even like with the way you play, bro, like, did that take some getting used to? Because, you know, like you said, there's a difference between, you know, playing with guys your own age and I guess getting razzly with them and I guess throwing your weight around. But, you know, did you, did you get used to the contact, you know, throughout the course of that season or was it not until maybe the following year that you got used to taking the knocks? Uh, I was kind of like, yeah, more, more so the first year, but I was kind of like maybe like my first tackle and I was kind of like, I think, who was who the prop? I actually can't remember. But yeah, after that first tackle, it was kind of like, you had to like adapt real quick, but otherwise you're going to get knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> that, was like, that was like a must I was like, oh Lee, you're going to have to adapt quick here. Oh, bro, I, I think I still need to, like, pick up on some of the stuff that you're mentioning, bro, because, man, I, I feel like I'm that close to getting knocked out pretty much every second <laughs> weekend, bro. But oh, I'm bro. I'm lucky, bro, I'm lucky. Like, the, the boys of mine who are in my forwards are doing a great job of shooting me for a lot of the crap, bro. So as long as I make all the side-on tackles, um, I'm not getting knocked out there after the match, bro. Um, but... bro. As soon as you find yourself making more than five tackles a game, bro, you got to sort them forwards, Bro, oh, Fords, if you're listening, bro, listen to Jonathan. Like, you didn't just hear that from me. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, um, but anyway, we'll, we'll roll on to that summer. And I'm guessing that you would have been 
in that Chiefs form because you called in his injury cover for, for a broken leg to Brad Weber. So, like, what was that yeah. like? Then you know, then it would have been like a rapid sort of turnaround for someone like you because you mentioned the fact you, you've never played schools. You know, you go out, you play mm. the Samoan twenties, and then you probably you know put on a bit of a show at the under nineteen under 19s tournament amongst the halfbacks, and then it's like. Bang! I'm with counties, then bang! I'm with the New Zealand team, and then bang! I'm with you know the county's top side again. Now I'm playing, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm training in Hamilton, you know, with the you know one of the five Super Rugby teams. So like, can you sort of like take us back to I guess learning that you're going to be involved in that environment, and then being like told by what would have been Colin Cooper at the time, being like, bro, I need you to strip this week because you know we're down on halfback. So yeah, here's your opportunity and run with it. Well, it all happened so quick, eh? Like, straight off the 20s, I was kind of, like, just called in as a replacement cover. I think it was... Probably that was, that was an All Blacks camp. And then I think I was just called in just for training, pre-season training and stuff like that. I think I could be wrong. But, yeah, we were over in Australia for that global team. Mm-hmm. And then straight after that, I was meant to finish up. But then with Webby's injury at the time, I was called to stay on like for the whole season. And I was only back in Auckland. I was getting ready for work, bro. Like, I was actually getting ready for work. I was on a Sunday night. And then I got the call that I actually had a missed call. I had a missed call from Dave Rennie at the time. And then like I called him back later and I was like, and he was just telling me to come in on Monday and just get stuck into it. So, yeah, it all happened so quick, bro. Bro, that must have been the best call. Don't get me wrong, you, you sound like a guy that puts his all into everything and would have loved his job, but there would have there would have been a great disparity between <laughs> going back to Mahi what? 9 to 5 and then yeah, training with the boys full-time and, and working on your game. So You obviously did the pre-season with that team before going away to yeah. Brisbane and playing in that 10th tournament. How yeah. much of was that a step up for you fitness-wise? I know that there's obviously standards that like halfbacks especially have to meet. So were you put through the ringer down in the Tron during that time? Uh, what's it called? In terms in terms of fitness, I think I was I was actually not too bad because I, I I was pretty light back then, so that was actually a good thing. And going over there, it was like it was pretty hot. It was pretty hot, but yeah, we actually yeah adapted as a team pretty well to those global teams. It was like a it was like playing seven, but you don't have the space. Yeah, it's hard, hard to put into words, bro. Yeah. No, no, I get that because obviously like yeah. in sevens, even though there's more st- space to work with and you probably have to cover a bit more ground, like it's yeah. probably like the combination of like the, the sevens fitness, well, maybe, you know, 90% of it, but then like the physicality is still there because you still got the big bottles. That's it. Still involved yeah, it, that's right, that's right. Because that was actually my first time playing as well, bro, playing 10. That was crack up. Mm, baptism by fire, you know, so to speak, bro. All right. Okay, so pre-season aside, so you're part of the team full-time off the back of a couple of injuries, and then you end up making your debut in round one, right, against the Highlanders, albeit, you know, yeah, I think it was yeah. like a it's short cap me off the bench. That's it. So you get to play like the last 30 seconds of that game? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro, I was like, oh, great, I was so nervous, bro. I was so nervous, and then um, Tawiller came off, and I was like, oh, here's me. Did you get a touch, bro? Did you get to throw a ball? Did you get to make a tackle? Bro, I had the last kick, bro. I got the (laughs) final kick. (laughs) 
I got in there, bro, and then we had to, we were receiving a kickoff, and um, our setup at the time, I was like in the 22 under the post, and they went for like a short short kick, they were trying to get it back. Bro, we were so lucky to get it, bro, and I was full time, and I just had to exit. <laughs> yeah, bro. All right, great way to start with a win, bro. But because your <laughs> your your first game for the Chiefs was a was a, was a pretty short one, why don't we roll over to your first start? Obviously, like getting named in the team that first round and then getting on, you know, would have been a hell of an experience. But that feeling, your first time going into a week where you're starting, would have probably been like, you know, either a hundred times worse or a hundred times better, depending on how you process starting and you know having to get into the game the start of it bro so do you want to take us through like how that week unfolded for you just knowing that you're going to have your mitts on the nine jersey and did your process change at all um a little bit in terms of like role clarity and stuff like that because like we had a good team that year and we had like real good players around me at the time so i guess for me i was just trying to nail my role and just like go over the system stuff like that and then just get out there and just play yeah you know, i think too, that that's all it was for me so, like, but even from like a, I guess like a, a games perspective, you, it's a different almost like kettle of fish, you know, being asked to start a game and almost set the tone mm-hmm. compared yeah. to coming off the bench, and you can probably change your game a little bit coming off the bench because you're playing against tired bodies and and whatnot, bro. So, I guess that's just, this is probably a little bit of a deviation off my original question, bro. But um, right. like putting egos to the side, like, do you find it easier starting or do you find it easier coming off the bench? I think it depends. If it's like a, a team that really like sets the benchmark, you kind of want to start. But then it's like all preparation and stuff. Like if your week's so smooth and like you're you're ticking off every boxes, I guess that kind of like give you confidence to start. But like there's like certain games where like you I want to I want to come off the bench and finish strong here. Do you know what I mean? Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I've always yeah. like. Being a footy player, you want to play 80 minutes, like I do most yeah. weeks, but I guess like yeah. the reality for halfbacks these days, because of how many Ks you can Absolutely. clock up, you know, it's just not realistic unless you're someone like Aaron Smith who just goes for days and is the goat. Sure, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I've always just found it interesting. I, I almost find, like, for me, if I were to ever get to that level, which is um, a dream and a half, bro, uh, it, 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 I'd almost find that yeah. if you're coming off the bench and, you know, like you're a guy that reads the game well, I, I just think it would maybe be a little bit easier. Um, yeah. Outside of, you know, um, this is under the premise that, you know, I'm kind of on straight after half time or I'm getting at least half an hour to where, mm. you know, I've assessed how the team's defended or where the fullback's positioning yourself or like if there's any holes around the rucks and then yeah, being able it. to come on and exploit it in comparison to starting. Yeah. Because especially like with halfbacks these days, if you, if you have a one-two punch, you know, and I thought that the Highlanders did a really good job of it this year with Bucket Tarver and Aaron Smith because, you know, they're guys yeah. that, a lot of energy and you know aren't afraid to have a little like snipe around the ruck that if one of them can set the benchmark almost lay the foundation to where you know like one's you know distributing distributing having a run every now and then, and then yeah. you know like the defense is almost in two minds because they feel like they're playing a certain way and then another guy comes in and it's like oh shit you know he's throwing a dummy this time and then you know all of a sudden they're 20 30 meters down the field and then you know that's it. And like all that, that, that little small talks in between like you come out like bro there's heaps of space around the ruck stuff Mm. once you come on but have a go there but yeah coming off the bench bro is like it's almost like you gotta change your mindset a little bit like everything you practice all week like in terms of strike move structures and all, and stuff like that where you gotta look to try and go I mean coming to the bench is almost like you just get in there and just play bro you know what I mean mm. 
kind mm. of a matter. Just go there, bro. Just carry it on and just play your game. Yeah. As if you're like starting, you kind of had to like try to set the pace of the game and then like execute certain moves that you have to do. You know what I mean? Bro, 100%. And I was just going to yeah. say as well, bro, just to wrap this question up is that, mate, I'm probably the slowest halfback you'll ever see in your life. So any any half step that I can get oh, with, no with a tight defence, bro, oh, I'm going to need it. So that's probably why I don't mind <laughs> coming off the bench. But um, you, you spent three years with the Chiefs um, all up and, you know, you, you played, you know, with the likes of someone like a Brad Weber. Um, Tawara Kubalo at the time obviously would have been a guy that would have yeah. liked to have assumed, you know, took you under his wing and, you know, mm. you looked to learn bits of trade off him and then ultimately, you know, Tawara Tawurangi um, makes the yeah. um, the trip back up the upstate highway one to be a bit closer to family and, you know, be a bit closer to home for him, which I guess almost like force your hand to, you know, look for other opportunities because, you know, mm. as good a player as you are, you know, like unfortunately all blacks are all blacks and those guys were um, pretty hissing at the time. So, I mean, like, what did you take yeah. from that experience, you know, or that, that, that time with the Chiefs and those boys that I just mentioned? And then, like, yeah, did that, was that what spurred your move? And, you know, what ultimately made you choose the Hurricanes in comparison to the other four franchises? I think for me, making the move for us was, like, a timing thing. It was, like, when, yeah, when Chip came up, it was obviously, like, for me, it was kind of like, oh, where, where can I best go and try to get, like, more game time under my belt? And at the time, I was like, yeah, I think it's time for me to move down to the Canes and try my luck there. And so was that something that, like, did you did you have, you know, a few other options on the table, even potentially going overseas or maybe the Blues or whatever? I don't think they had an established nine at the time. So, I mean, like, what, what was it that made you choose the Hurricanes? Because uh, my, my only two options at the time, that, yeah, at the time I was more, if I wanted to stay, I could have stayed or just, just make the move. Mm. But yeah, at the time, I was like, no, I've been here three years. I think it's time to, you know, make a move somewhere and just see if I like it. Exactly, bro. Change is good. And, yeah, you know, like, I guess at the time, like, TJ didn't have a clear backup. And that's something mm. that I guess, like, even now, you know, yourself, you know, like obviously with TJ being gone, you know, there's a bit of a vacancy there. And you've had your opportunity yeah. and, and Luke's had his. And unfortunately, with your injury of, of late, that it's trying to throw a bit of a spanner into the works for mm. you, bro. But even, you know, like, you mentioned, like, spending your three years at the Chiefs and, you know, like, obviously enjoying that and them giving you your opportunity to play at the Super Rugby level, which ultimately led to, you know, the position you're in now. I mean, how do, how do the two teams compare, bro? Because I know a lot of, like, there's a lot of talks about, like, the Chiefs' mana, but then even down here at the Hurricanes' base, I mean, typically with the style of footy that they play, you know, plays into a lot of guys' hands if they love the Bradley style. So, yeah. like, do you have nothing but good things to say about them? And, like, can you potentially for people who have no idea what the difference between the two would be? Like, did they, are there any stark contrast? Oh, bro, 100%. Like, bro, both teams are real big on their culture. Like, that's one thing I, I took away from both teams. Like, they're real big on their culture. Like, up at the Chiefs, yeah, we talk about their mana. So everyone has their own sort of mana, bro. But, like, as a team, they, they kind of, like, built together as a team out of that. But like everyone's like different background, it, it's pretty much similar here, bro. Like everyone's has their own different background, has their own mana, bro, and come together as a team. It just shows out there on the field. But in terms of the way they play the game, there's like a bit of similarity, bro. But then they have their strength in terms of the gate, like the Hurricanes. We like to play that kind of like bully mindset. 
which I really enjoy. I think the Chiefs are a bit more resly kind of like in a way, and it, yeah, that for me sums up both teams. Eh? Interesting. I would have thought that'd be the other way around, but I guess with the change of coaches in Bro, recent yeah. years, because I mean, you came in with um with Alfie last year and some mm. of the guys that he's brought on board, and then with your time with the Chiefs, and you mentioned Dave Rennie. So okay, no, that that's interesting for me as a fan to hear you describe it that way. But um, I mean, I, I mentioned the fact that you know, like you come down here to give yourself a a better opportunity to get game time and you know, even the another opportunity to learn off, you know, one of the best halfbacks that, that's ever played the game and TJ Pedernata. So what what did you take from his game and like did you set out much time to actually get to know TJ, get to know yeah. his processes yeah. and how that could make you a better player, you know, going forward? Yeah, but he he's real competitive. I think that's one thing I enjoyed about TJ was that he was real competitive on the field. Like Anything they will do, bro, whether it's a five meter sprint or even just play touch, bro. Like, you can just see him on the other side, bro, just screaming at his team. You know, like, it's just a warm up game. It's a warm up game, bro. Come on now. It's a warm up game. You can lose. Bro, he's like right in the midst of it, bro. And it's, yeah, I really enjoyed it about him, eh? But then, like, it's more of his character as well. He's real competitive on field, bro, but he's willing to give up his time just to, to help, like, Myself, like as a young player, like he'll give you like a fair go if you know what I mean. Mm. So that's one thing I took away from him: willing to help, but real competitive. <laughs> oh, bro, you're not the first one to tell me that, eh? And and like it, it, sh- it shows on the field, bro. Like yeah, bro. Like even after wins or like even the small battles or you know just like the look he has on his face when he pulls off something like unreal. It's like. Pretty much, bro, but like when you back it up, like he does, like you can't <laughs> help but like tip your head to the fella, bro, because he obviously puts in the time to then being able to pull off the game. And I mean, like he's a freak, bro. I mean, like, like you see the <laughs> yeah. stuff he does on the field, and I've seen some of the clips that you know the All Blacks and stuff have put together over the years of him in the gym. Mm. And it's just like, for one, bro, like this guy shouldn't even be a halfback, man. Like he's as big as a loose. Hunt Silver, he's a real big halfback too, bro. <laughs> Right, I'll tell you now, like, if, if it was like a training on a Monday, we play like a warm-up touch game, bro, and you get him. Bro, you have the whole week to survive, bro. He's going to try to get you, bro. He's got the whole week. Hands down, bro. He'll try something. <laughs> Holy. Oh, that mumba mindset almost, bro. Holy. That's All it. Right. Um, but obviously, like, TJ hasn't been here this year. And, you know, yeah. like, not to get too big into it but you know off the back of the team already you know like having to look for a new number 10 um after Bowden leaving last year and then like this year you know you guys are down nine and ten and you know it's a it's a big ask you know for a halfback to then come in and fill the boots of a TJ but then also to then be asked to direct his troops when there probably isn't the experience that what a lot of mm. halfbacks are gifted um throughout the other super rugby teams um in that 10 position so I mean, coming into this year, and I mean, obviously you would have had a, you had that experience of playing with the boys last year, and then you would have had the preseason to prove yourself. But like, what changed for you mentally, like, given you had the first crack at the starting gig for the Canes this year? Like, how, how did you find it? Like, have you had to like take a step up personally? You know, you know even with your, like your your game driving and maybe your prep, mm. you know, towards Saturdays and the Sundays. Or how much changed for you in 2021, bro? Like, yeah, bit of a long like question, a but yeah. But do you get what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't be like a solicy, bro. Just uh. stay off and just get ready to play, bro. Oh, bro, yeah. biggest eat us out, bro. <laughs> Straight up. I mean, in terms of stepping up, 
Yeah, I, I think that was one of the areas I really wanted to grow my game was around that game management and just trying to grow my voice. So with so TJ gone, it was kind of like a big step up, trying to you know make sure we're all over what we're going to run that week. And then it's just using my voice to try get the attention of the players in terms of sharing and stuff like that in front of teams. But then it was kind of like connecting, not, not more so one-on-one, but as a unit in terms of other game drivers and other leaders. So yeah, I step up for sure, but it was a good challenge. Still ongoing there. And, and I guess like even when you roll over to games as well, I think what maybe is a little bit undervalued is like you said, just maybe not so much the one-on-ones, but you know, in training, you know, knowing, you know, the lines that Artie runs, knowing the lines that, yeah. you know, James Blackwell runs and then like putting the ball mm. where it needs to be, you know, that sort of stuff. Because even when you're going through drills, there's a way of doing it, but guys have their own idiosyncrasies and have their own styles and maybe, yeah. you know, Nani likes it, you know, like catching it a certain way, you know, just little stuff like that, you know. Yeah, no, it's cool to hear that, you know, obviously that's a progression that you're looking to make and yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. when that ankle comes right, we get to see a little bit more of it, bro. But, you know, moving on, and I mean, you guys have played, you know, the New Zealand teams this year and you only got to play New Zealand teams last year. You know, yeah. How much are you looking forward to getting over to Australia and, you know, like running against those boys? And is there, you know, when that was announced, you know, that trans-Tasman bubble, you know, a week or so ago, like, what was the, I guess, the, the feeling within the camp? Pretty exciting, eh? I think it was just like, you know, being able to play different opposition. Obviously, we play, they, they play like sort of a different style to us. But it just gets to a point like when you keep playing, you know, the Chiefs, the Sailors, same team back to back, it just gets to a point. So I think having that trans Tasman, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. The boys are pretty up for it, so can't wait for that. Yeah, and hopefully you guys can. Um put a sock on all those Aussie commentators' mouths, bro, that think that they're oh, bro. Up, up to scratch with these Kiwi yeah. teams, man, because, I mean, it's, <laughs> bro, it's really hard to tell, like, watching those games because they're playing against each other, just like, um, I'm not predicting, yeah. like, any losses on the Kiwi team's part, bro. No pressure? But, no yeah. pressure at all. <laughs> it's a good challenge, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bro. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's a wrap on, like, your, your rugby career or, or what I wanted to take away from that. But before I let you go, got two parts that I want to end on and the first one being uh, can you take us through your game day routine game day routine if we're playing a, a night game let's say a 7.30 game I like a bit of sleeping so I normally don't have breakfast with the team but I like to get out for coffee and then just have like a big branch sort of in between and then we go through our captains oh, but most of the time but I'm just in the room whether it's a home game I'll be at home. If it's a way I'll just be in the hotel just watching TV. And then around 3 o'clock, we have like a walkthrough primer, stuff like that. Go to that and then have a real big uh, pre-match meal. And then I just love to get some sleep before heading to the game. But I, I enjoy the early games where it's just, you have the whole day to bloody do whatever you want. Mm. And yeah, yeah, that's pretty much me. What about music, bro? Do you have anything that gets you in the zone, or like even oh, for your pre-match? Me- <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> bro, most of the time, bro, I'm just walking around with Justin Bieber music playing. Justin Bieber, One Direction, Acorn. That's it, bro. Brotherhood. But uh, I'm telling you right now, bro. <laughs> and I got like the serious face on bro, at times, but it's Justin Bieber playing, bro. That's all now. <laughs> bro, what and, would you um, give us latest album out of ten, bro? 
Uh, it's not bad, not bad. Well, I'm more so the, the upbeat Justin Bieber, the, the start of Justin Bieber. That's more me, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, okay, what's your favourite song, bro? Yeah, give me, give me, give me all three, bro. Akon, what do you say? Akon, One Direction, yeah, and Jay Z? Yeah. What are your yeah, three favourite songs, you know, for each of them? Oh, yeah, Top of my head. Akon, Lonely. Great song. One Direction, What Makes You Beautiful, <laughs> Justin Bieber. This. <laughs> Just to be bro, there's so much, but if you want to slow it down, there's purpose though. If you want to speed it up, there's baby, you know? <laughs> what is up to you, bro? Bro, I'm not lying. I know exactly what you're talking about, bro. I'm not <laughs> sure, like, before the game, but that's definitely in my Spotify. Oh, mate. <laughs> right, there you go, bro. There you go. If we get you on camera, I know exactly what you're pumping, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right, bro. This is a good segue into my funny part, bro. So I've just got um, a run of 10 questions. Um, yeah. Which I'd like you to answer. All right, question number one. What is your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out? Corona. Is it actually? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lemon or no lemon? Lemon. Nice. Uh, Who's the biggest coach's pet that you've been around? (laughs) Does it have to be the Canes or that? It has to be... Bro, anyone, bro, anyone. Uh, There's a guy named Nicolo. (laughs) Up in county, He'll know if he's listening to him. <laughs> All right, shout out to Nikolai. Um, question number three, what's your must on a day off? Ooh, uh, probably a haircut. Is that including like dying up blonde as well? Or do you do that in your own time? <laughs> I, I, I just did it at home. Yeah, yeah bro, I just did it at home. Bro, what is the story behind that? Like with you and the boys, is it because like the canes are yellow or like, like what's the buy in there? Bro, like up in County's where it goes, do you know um, it's an a 992 Mm-hmm. He used to be a real fan of the blonde So at counties, like after the county season, I had like he was my flatmate, and I was just talking about it. Then I I just decided to give it a go, away and it just went from there. What true? Then like Suffol and Isaiah then picked it up. Yeah, and then came down here and the boys seen it. Then yeah, I guess they wanted to try it as well. Now hey. it's going around. So you're so the trendsetter then? Oh no no no. <laughs> If they're listening, that'll be like, hey. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll get on to the next question. Uh, what's your least favorite fitness block? Um, anything that's straight running, like repeated straight running. Yeah. Not yeah. a fan of those ones, yeah. Neither, bro. Uh, favorite cheat meal? Oh, um, McDonald's, six-pack chicken nuggets, and a filet fish burger, yo. Buzzy, bro, the filet of fish, bro. Someone's got to yeah. eat them, but yeah. That is not me. Um, most regretful baller purchase? Um, probably shoes. I was not most of my money, but my missus bought me like three, three pairs of Uzi and I just don't want to wear them. <laughs> I just don't want to do anything. That's it. That's the oh, best way to put it, bro. Like, I'm yeah, just not bro. wearing them. Bro, I can definitely... Um... Feels that, bro. <laughs> that, that's the way, bro. I'm having a bit of a mind blank now. Um, next, the, the next question was guilty music yeah. pleasure, but we've already gone through that with with thieves and one direction. Um, that's so we'll cool. go on to question number eight. Uh, what's your go-to dance move? Oh, bro, any TikTok moves, so easy, bro. Whether it's the wall, I'm just moving side to side. <laughs> But Salisi's got plenty. <laughs> I'll tell you now. <laughs> Seth has got them all, bro. 
Oh, bro, he's bro, he's um, he's a silent worker, that guy. I, I've yet to see yep. him myself, but I guess uh, <laughs> UK boys are probably privy to oh, some other stuff that um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've never seen. Uh, but push number nine. <laughs> Sorry, bro, I'm just gonna keep laughing if we keep talking about that. Um, who's the biggest grub you've played with and against? Um, play with, bro, Cozy's up there. Cozy's up there. And then Brody Retallick as well, eh? He goes about his work, man. Yeah, bro. They sound like guys you'd love to have in your team <laughs> yeah. rather than play against them, yeah. mate. <laughs> All right, last question, bro. You just got to finish off the sentence for me. Saturdays are for... The boys. <laughs> <laughs> Mumsy just walked me past two. <laughs> no. Oh, bro. Way to stay in it, bro. Uh... <laughs> But that's a wrap for this podcast, bro. I just want to um, reiterate you know, just how grateful I am to have had taken a bit of your time before you shoot off for the rest of your bye week, bro. Um, so, yeah, just for me, man, um, until I get to see you in person next, fingers yeah. crossed that that uh, ankle heals up a lot quicker than what the original diagnosis was, bro. And um, I guess best of luck for the rest of the buddy. I'm sad, bro, surely. Yeah, that'd be cool. But, bro, thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate it. You're the man, bro. Later. Game of those kids. I'll see you. Later.